Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. For those of you who don't know me, I um, just want to welcome you to Heights. Glad that you guys are here with us. I got the honor, privilege to preach to you today. If you're watching in Breeze at Breeze Community, we welcome you guys. And if you're streaming online, Facebook or YouTube, glad you guys are joining us as well. So we got a lot to just dig into today. This passage is really, really deep. It's about rest, which I think is so vital to us as, as people. And it's something that I personally struggle with a great deal to actually rest, which we'll, we'll talk about. But also, it's, just, it's, it's got a lot of Old Testament references and stuff, and I want to make sure that we do a really good job of digging in, understanding it, and just looking at the whole picture. So we're going to go right at it today. Here's our big idea for today is this, is a lack of rest reveals a lack of faith and trust in Jesus' lordship, his finished work on the cross, and his caring love for you. So when we doubt Jesus, when we don't trust him, we're doubting all those things. We're doubting his lordship. We're doubting that he's finished his work on the cross. There's nothing left for us to do. And we're doubting that he actually loves us. And those are all three different types of rest that we can see right here from this passage. We see all of them. When we doubt his lordship, we're we're doubting Sabbath rest, that we actually are required to do it. Because it was one of the Ten Commandments. So if we say, well, that doesn't apply to me now. I don't need to do that. Then what you're saying is Jesus isn't Lord, which we've been talking about for weeks as we walk through Hebrews. That sometimes you'll see Jesus as Lord and not Savior, or you'll see him as Savior and not Lord. And sometimes we see him as neither. But if we don't believe that he is his gospel, that he's going to give us eternal rest, then we're doubting that. We're doubting his, him as his work on the cross being finished, that he did enough to save us from our sins. And if we doubt his caring love, again, we're just doubting him as good. And we won't experience his rest. So it is really, really important for us just to understand that today that this passage, it, there's a lot here about lots of different types of rest. Like I said, there's the Sabbath rest. There's entering the rest of the promised land that they're talking about. There's the, the rest that is provided just through the gospel. And we need to see and understand all of it. It's all right here. Like I said, the promises you see it in verses one and eight. The gospel is verse two. And lastly, that Sabbath rest, you see that mentioned as well in the scripture. It's very, very clear to us that it is important for us. And so we have to answer this question then, what is rest in Jesus? What is rest in Jesus? I've already told you there's three different types of rest. But ultimately, they're all pointing to Jesus. Everything we've been going through, this this is the whole purpose of the book of Hebrews, is to show that these these Jewish now Christians who were following Jesus, that everything the Old Testament pointed to was Jesus. That all all the rituals, all the covenants, all the things that they did was pointing them to Jesus. And so with this text, what we know and what we can read is that he's warning them. Hey, the same as your people who didn't enter the promised land, who was led out of slavery in Egypt, just as they didn't enter the promised land, if you don't listen and you harden your hearts, you're not going to enter his rest either. Just as 
the gospel came to them in a sense that there's a coming Messiah. Some of them didn't believe that. Do you believe now that he did come and rise and die and rise again? He's really, really wanting them to hear and understand that this rest is important for them. It's important for their souls. See, the, the nation of Israel had received many promises from the beginning of time. There's a lot of promises made to individuals who represented Israel as a whole, but it was made to an individual like Abraham. He's without a son. He, his wife is barren. And what does God do? And God, God promises him a child, a son, and that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand upon the seashore. That is a promise. Now that promise, again, it's pointing to Jesus. Jesus, God, triune God, promises King David that someone, a descendant of his, would sit upon his throne in Israel for all time, for eternity. He was talking about Jesus. Those are promises made to individuals that was going to benefit the whole nation of Israel. But this promise about the promised land, if you're familiar with it, they, they leave slavery. Moses leads the people of Israel out of Egypt. They were enslaved there for hundreds of years. They led out of slavery. There's the plagues that plague the nation of Egypt, and they come out of slavery. He, God parts the Red Sea. They get into the wilderness, and they're on the edge of going into the promised land, and they stop because they're not faithful. They don't trust God, and they never enter that rest. But that promise was made to the whole nation. And he's using it as a warning for them to not miss out like those people missed out because they're getting persecuted. They need rest. They need comforted. And he's saying, don't miss out like your, like your descendants did. Stay focused on who Jesus is. Rest in him. And so the idea then is this, is that resting in Jesus is just merely trusting that he is good and that he's going to fulfill the promises that he's made. Now, like I said, there's three different types of rest. There's Sabbath rest. There's the gospel rest. There's just the idea of knowing that he's good and he's caring for you. But ultimately, they all point to just trusting that he came, he lived, he died, and he rose again. That's it. That's really it. In a nutshell, if we believe that, it should then completely order all of our priorities in life in order that we would be then willing to rest in him. So resting in Jesus is just abiding in him through a real intimate prayer life, through reading of God's word, being in community with other believers. That is what rest is. And we're going to talk about Sabbath rest in a minute, but the problem is, is we can't even get that part right just to trust God enough to say, I'm going to rest in you that you've got everything under control. This is what Jesus himself says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We don't believe that. We don't believe it at all. So often we just grind it out. If you're like me, type A, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, like I just want to get stuff done. I just go. I'm like laser focused. This is the task. I'm going to do it. And you know what I do a lot of times? I'll do it apart from Jesus. I don't rest in him. 
I'm too just wired to go. I can't even, I'm like over there literally like bouncing up and down during worship because I'm like so jacked up just to get up here and preach. I can't sit still. I just want to move. I want another task. Give me another thing to do. I don't just come to him and get the rest that he gives. I don't let him take my yoke. I don't, I, I just, I'm going to labor. I'm going to do it all. And he's saying, no, I'm gentle. You don't need to do that. There's rest for your soul. Do all those things, but do them with me in mind. Do them abiding in me. Don't try to do them apart from me. So resting in Jesus is laying all those burdens of this life at his feet. That means that we have to sometimes just check out of this daily grind, whatever's, if it's going good or going bad, and just turn our eyes to him, focus on him. That's, that's rest in Jesus. That's resting in him. See, by doing that, when you find this hard place that you're in, it seems a little bit calmer. It seems just a little bit calmer because when you go before Jesus, now you don't have to try to earn your keep. He's done it all for you. You're not trying to prove anything to anyone or to yourself. We've said it before, we are our own worst critics. We're judging everything that we do. You and your internal thoughts are just sitting there picking at yourself and condemning yourself and thinking about how much you lack in this area or that area and, and just always trying to like maybe self-improve. And Jesus is saying, stop. I've done it all. I've taken care of it. Your identity is found in me. Your identity is completely in me. You don't need to do all that. If I didn't like you, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't have saved you. You don't need to be a better version of David. You need to be just in me. Yeah, he's going to sanctify you. He's going to work in your life and make you look more like him, but it's in him. You're not going to just white knuckle discipline it through this life and think that you're going to get better on your own. You can't. You won't. And you won't be rested trying to do it. You're going to be stressed, worn out, tired. It's abiding in him. How can we do that? Well, because he experienced the most radical restlessness so that we could experience the most radical rest. That's what he's done for us. Like, he took all of it on. He's like, stop, slow down. And so what we do then is we get going, and life is hard. And all these different situations, stuff just comes up out of nowhere that we don't expect. Or maybe it is on a Sunday, and you're like, I got to go to work tomorrow, and I really don't want to. Because of whatever reason it may be. Because we're not abiding in Jesus. And we, so we see all the negatives in this world, which they exist. And we're not going to pretend that they're not there. But if we just abide in him and we slow down and just look to him, spend time in his word, prayer, in community, Sunday mornings, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But then you might ask, well, do I need to actually Sabbath then? Yeah, you do. But no, you don't have to be legalistic about it. There's obviously different work schedules in this room within our church. Some of you may be able to completely, in a sense, and I'll explain this in a minute, check out for a 24-hour period. You got eight hours of sleep and 16 hours during the day that you're not having to do the work that you don't want to do. And this doesn't mean you don't do laundry, you don't feed your kids, you can't do anything, okay? Like, let's just be really clear. You can still do all that stuff, but you're doing it with Christ in mind, slowing down, enjoying his creation. The fact, thank God, I, I've got grass to mow. Just 
So I'm not saying you can't do anything during a Sabbath period. But some of you might be like, hey, that doesn't work for me. I don't have just 24 hours. All right. Do you always carve out Sunday morning that nothing else can get in the way of this? Probably not. A lot of us are pretty good at missing church a handful of times. Like, you know, hey, I make it two out of every four Sundays. You know, what's keeping you there from being here the other two? It's because we're not resting in Jesus. So Sabbath, yeah, you need to carve out time that you spend with him. That's what resting looks like. That's what resting in Jesus looks like. It's an intentionality behind it. So then what is not resting in Jesus? And here's where it gets hard for me. It's everything that you're doing apart from him. Do you know what that's like for a type A pastor to say? It's extremely hard. I can't slow down to pray about this. I know what the Bible says. I know what's faithful obedience to him. I'm just going to do that. And hopefully I don't screw it up along the way. That's, that is my go-to. Just, that's not what I should be doing. That's not how we should function. And it's hard for me to not because I'm just so focused. Like, I just got to get this done. I just want to get this done. I want to do well at it. And I know where God's gifted me. I know where he's not gifted me. And so, so often I will just, I'm going to do this good thing. But Jesus is just part of it over here. I got this, Jesus. I don't, I don't need you. And that's a dangerous place to be. And here's why. Listen to Isaiah 64, verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Do you hear that from Isaiah? He did not write that your unrighteous deeds are like a filthy Garment. He said that your righteous deeds are a filthy garment. So often we want to repent of the sins that we do, but we don't want to repent of the good things that we did apart from Jesus. That's where it's at. That's our biggest problem as Christians in North America. Well, I go to church, I served, I did this, I gave, and none of it had anything to do with Jesus. We just showed up and went through the motions because we're smart enough to figure it out. And then we wonder why Christianity is not on the, on the incline in America and it is on every other continent except for us in Europe. It's because we do everything apart from Jesus and think that he should just bless our efforts because we're so freaking smart, right? No. He's saying, abide in me and I'm going to do all this. And so when we don't rest in Jesus, we're just running the rat race. That's it. That's what not resting in Jesus looks like. It's coming here and hoping that I'm going to hurry up and shut up in about the next 10 minutes. Not going to happen. I probably got another 30. That's what we want. We're like, I'm going to go to church, check the box. I'm going to do that, check the box. You can't do anything good apart from him. You can think that you are, but if you're doing it for any reason other than doing it in him, you're doing it to glorify yourself instead of glorifying him. We want to make his name known. We want to make him glorious. We want to point people to Jesus, not to us, not to heights. We want to point people to Jesus. So it's not the sins that we need to repent of, which we do, but we also need to be repenting of the good things that we do without relying on him fully. So this would lead us then back to a Sabbath. Yes, you need it because we have to slow down and focus on him. So here's what we'll do. 
it's Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening maybe, and you're like, do I have time for church tomorrow? Laundry's not done. I still need to do grocery order. I still need to do some, my grass isn't mowed yet. There was a storm last night. There's a big tree limb in my yard. I just got all this stuff to do. I don't think I'm going to go to church. I'm just going to get this stuff done. That way I can rest this evening before I got to start another work week. Right? You all said it. I know you have. Guarantee it. I used to before. It's my job to be here. All right? Or... It's Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. It's time to go to missional community, whatever night yours is on. And, man, it's been a hard day at work. People stress me out. So sick of that boss. Can't deal with him. That coworker, or you get home and the kids are a mess, or kids have a bunch of homework, whatever it is. Man, I just need a night to myself. I'm just going to chill here in my sofa or my recliner and I'm going to kick my feet up and I'm going to watch Netflix and I'm just going to just check out. I need to rest. That's not resting in Jesus. That's saying, Jesus, the good gift of your church, the bride of, of your bride, the bride of Christ, and your people in community are not restful. But Netflix sure is and my sofa's more restful than you. And that's what we'll do. And we'll make excuse after excuse why it's been a long day. It's been a long weekend. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to go to missional community. Now, you could come to all those things and do it without relying on Jesus, and then you're still not resting him. So the idea is that you're going there understanding the goodness of what God has done and that he's provided his bride for us to be part of, that he's provided community for us to walk in. It should be filling you up. I get it. There's a lot of kids in these missional communities. They're loud. It's okay. You were a loud kid at one point too. And they needed adults. You needed an adult to love Je- who loved Jesus to love on you. So you get to go to missional community and love on them. That could fill you up. We have to be willing to take time to worship God. And so that's that Sabbath rest. The, the, your hours that you have in your week may mean like, hey, I know I'm carving out about two and a half, three hours during the week for missional community. Figure by getting there, you know, cooking food, all that, the two hours there. And then I'm going to carve out another three hours for church. You're here for an hour and a half. Maybe you serve. Maybe you're going to get here early and stay late, talk. So you know, okay, that's six hours. Out of all those hours, that's not that much. You probably should be carving out still some more time to Sabbath with the Lord. I'm just saying, my gosh, if you can't give that to him, let's just start there. But we won't, because we don't want to rest in Jesus. So anything you do apart from trusting in Jesus isn't true rest. And it's going to leave you searching for a rest that is only found in him. And so all those different types of rest, like we need them. We need Sabbath rest. We need to trust in his goodness. We need the gospel rest. And not resting him is saying, I don't believe it, and you will never get rested. And here's how, like, I'm going to give you an illustration. So I'm, like, really, like... uh, just over the top about like trying to be healthy, except for I have like this just obsession with gummy bears and donuts and pizza that interfere, okay? But I know like that I need to, I work out and so like you need good sleep so that you can like recuperate and be healthy and everything. So there's three different types of sleep. There's deep sleep, there's your REM sleep, and then there's light sleep. Most of your night will be spent in light sleep and then you'll have some time in your REM sleep most likely, that's where you dream. Deep sleep is where, deep sleep is where your body really gets that just restorative work that it needs. 
And every morning I wake up and the first thing I do is I go to my Garmin app on my phone and I look to see where's my body battery at. And when it's low, I'm like, oh no, what happened? And then I scroll down, I look at my sleep and it's like, you got seven hours of sleep. And I'll go and I'll look and it's like, you got 30 minutes of deep sleep. And I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do now? Like I'm all stressed out about it, right? I've went so stressed out about it. And this is silly to even admit, but I bought this Bluetooth sleep mask. Someone in my initial community told me they got one. I started researching them, so I bought one. And so it's got little speakers in the headphone, like in the strap part, and I can play pink noise. I researched which noise would help me get in deep sleep better. It's pink noise, if you wanted to know. And then I play that in my ears. I'm like, all night long in my ears, all weird. And I sleep, and I can't see a thing. It's great. It hasn't helped that much, though. So <laughs> it's a waste of 20 bucks. My point is this. You can do a lot of stuff that sounds good and restful. You can do vacations. You can have long weekends. You can even be at church. But if it's missing Jesus, you're not going to get rested. So you're, not, you're missing deep sleep. You're going to wake up tired. You're missing Jesus, you're gonna run this whole life and miss every resting moment that he could give you that is so good and so fulfilling. So what happens then if we don't rest in him? What are the effects of not resting in Jesus? Well, the worst possible thing that can and will happen to you if you don't rest in Jesus is you won't experience his rest. It's that simple. (laughs) It really is. Like That's the worst possible thing. But it gets worse because if you have rejected it the whole time as the scripture says, like, these folks here in the scripture, like the promise of, the, of his rest still stands. Verse one, let us fear lest any of us should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united in faith with those who listened. And he goes on and he says, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So you may be here and you may be a Christian and you're not resting in him. You can still go to heaven, but man, this life's going to be long and hard and miserable because you're always trying to do it yourself. But you might be here, and you might be like those folks that just, they heard, but it did not benefit them because they were not united in faith with those who listened. And you may never experience rest in this life or in eternity. That's the worst possible thing that could happen to you is that you so much thought you could do it on your own. You were so arrogant to think that you didn't need a savior and you just, I'll be good. I'll be good enough. And then you miss out on that. Verse one, is, I mean, it tells us there, let us fear lest any of you should have failed to reach it. Why would we be afraid? Because he's telling us there's an important thing here that you need. Don't miss it. That some will not enter that promised rest. But it's a good thing. He says the opportunity still stands. So that's good. It's there. The Israelites had an opportunity to enter the promised land, but they doubted God's lordship. They, they doubted really the promised Messiah. They doubted God's goodness that he would lead them into the promised land. And even in leading them into the promised land where the rest would be, do you realize they would work there? They still had to defeat the, the nations that were on the other side. It's just that they would do it abiding in Jesus or they would fail. And when they stopped abiding in Jesus, that's exactly what happened once the next generation did enter it. So this could be us. Verse 3, it warns us, it tells us, for we who have believed enter that rest. He's talking about the current Christians, the church. 
but he doesn't want us to miss out. Like, so when you don't rest in Jesus, obviously you could miss out. But as a believer, if you're not resting in Jesus, look what it does. It doesn't unite us by faith. Like we have a, just a very ununified church. Christians across North America are not unified. Why? Because we don't rest in Jesus. We try to do everything on our own. We're so driven as Americans that we just miss out and we're not united by faith. I hope that you're understanding, you're getting that, that God's rest is not just this Sabbath day of rest, but it's having this utter faith in him and trusting him. That's it, just, just knowing that he is good. I mean, they spent 40 years in the wilderness and then died there. So I was thinking like, okay, well, if they died and they didn't enter the promised land, what does that mean for them eternally? Well, I'm assuming that some of them had to go to heaven. Not quite heaven before Jesus died and rose again. I don't have time to go down that theological rabbit hole right now. But regardless, they would be in heaven now. Why do I think that? Because Moses is in heaven. And so that means some of them had to have a genuine faith in God and the promised Messiah. But the rest of them who tasted the goodness of God left Egypt, experienced all that stuff, saw God do miracles, all the plagues, all those things, and then didn't enter the promised land in this life of rest, and then died, and now will spend an eternity restless in hell. How many of you are sitting here every single Sunday, and you know in your hearts of hearts, I don't know, you can say you're a Christian, I don't know, it's between you and God. How many of you have never truly surrendered to Jesus? You've never surrendered him and given him your life and rested in what he has done, his finished work on the cross. Because you can come here all you want. Like I already told you, you can do all the good things. You can fool me. You can fool Pastor Corey, Pastor Jeff, our, our other elders. You can fool all of us and you can serve here and do all these things. And if you know in your heart of hearts that you're not born again, that you've not truly rested in Jesus, you will die and never enter his promise of eternity with him. That is what happens when we don't rest in Jesus. That's what we'll experience. That is, should be so terrifying for us because we're like them then, just wandering. You were a slave to sin. They were a slave. They get led out of slavery and then they just wander and you could just go through this whole life just wandering around aimlessly for nothing, never accomplishing anything of any eternal significance. And you think, well, I don't know, like... Maybe, you know, but I, I've got this thing under wraps pretty good. Well, check out verse 13, because he, he really wants you to see that you're not going to work this out the way you think. He says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. See, I told you this is a lot of Old Testament stuff here. He's pointing back to Adam and Eve being naked in the garden. Everything's great. Everything's good. But what happened? They ate of the tree they weren't supposed to, and all of a sudden, they're exposed, and God saw them in their shame, and he's like, what have you done? What have you done? And so often, that's us, right? Like, we're trying to just do all this stuff on our own, thinking that God doesn't see us because you fooled everyone else. Fooling everyone else is not resting in Jesus. It's just a lot of work for you to keep up. It's just a lot of work. But he sees you. He sees you. And you just think about this. Adam and Eve... In the garden, I'm just, I'm just thinking this through as I was writing the sermon, like, they had to experience God's rest more so than any other human who ever lived besides Jesus. 
Because they're, they're the only humans who spent time with Jesus, with God, the triune God, before there was sin. They're walking in the garden with him. There's no hardened work. It's easy work. There's no pain and childbirthing. It's easy. There's nothing trying to kill you. Like, it is good. And then they sinned because they wanted more. They didn't want to trust in his goodness. So then they lose that rest. So here, as a Christian, I ask you, have you ever wondered why you never feel rested? You just feel so empty in your life? Maybe you're here and you feel rested and you know and you're sure in your salvation, but you wonder why your kids never seem happy, but you know that you got them signed up for every single sport possible and you're every weekend gone. And you wonder, like, well, this don't seem like they love Jesus because you're not pointing them to. You're not pointing them to rest in him. You're just going with all this. Go do this. Go do this. Go to this practice. Go to this training. Go to this camp. Go to this game. Sign up for this league. Do this. Do this. Do this. And then we wonder, like, why they don't love Jesus. And maybe you're here and you have your dream job, but you just don't feel complete. You don't feel fulfilled from it. Because you're not trusting in Jesus. Maybe you got your dream job, but really he's calling you into ministry and you want to keep ignoring that call. You've got it. You, you, got, you reached the pinnacle where you wanted to be. And you wonder why you don't feel rested? Maybe because he's called you something else. And your dream wasn't his will. Have you ever thought of that? Your kids getting a sports scholarship isn't the end goal. It's them learning to rest in Jesus for the rest of their lives. That's it. And yet we'll chase money, we'll chase relationships, we'll chase all these things and we'll do it apart from Jesus and wonder why we're not rested, why we're not fulfilled. And that's just for the Christian in the room. For those of you that are not Christians, like look at verse one, it says that the promise of entering his rest still stands. So hear me before I say anything else. His promise still stands. It is not too late. One day it will be too late. You will die and there is no second chance. When you're dead, you're dead. Just forget it. Like, it's eternity and hell from that point on. I'm not going to try to mince words with you. That's what it is. Verse 2, the good news has come to you. It is not by coincidence that you're sitting here today. If you are not a born-again believer in Jesus, if you're watching online and you do not have faith in Jesus and you're sitting here, it is not just by chance. God is sovereign and he brought you here because it is not too late to enter his rest and the good news has came to you just as it came to them. Verse six, he continues, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. It still remains. Again, it's not too late. He wants them to hear that. Verse seven, don't harden your hearts. Because he says there today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your, your hearts. Don't do it. You might be sitting there thinking, I don't know, not today. I don't want to give my life to Jesus. I've got all these reasons. I'm not going to do it. But maybe verse 12 is true. 
That for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God is piercing through you with his Holy Spirit, with his word. The word is Jesus. He's cutting through and he's saying, listen to me. Stop trying to ignore me. I know your real heart. I know your intentions. And you don't rest in me. You've never rested in me. Give your life to me. Put your trust in me. Hear the warning. I hope you understand that today that we have to rest in him. You can chase anything in this world, but apart from him, you will not be rested. So that leads us to our last point. It's just a question for you. Will you experience eternal rest or eternal restlessness? That's what you have to decide for yourself. If you're here today, I hope that you are born again and that you will experience eternal rest. I hope that in that, then you're, you're learning to experience rest here in this life momentarily while we're still here. But if you're here today and you do not have eternal rest, then I want you to know you only have restlessness awaiting you. There is nothing else. This is where we have to lay down everything that keeps us from resting in Jesus. Stop trying to hide behind all the fake stuff, trying to fool people because you're not fooling God. It says this right there in verse 13 that we're naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You will stand before him one day and you'll have to give an account for all the things that you've done. And if you're not in Christ, you're going to be condemned for all those things. The good news has came to us just as it has came to them, it says. And I want to make sure that you understand that good news because it is the gospel, which is God's power to save. So so hear me. We have all sinned. Scripture is so clear of that. And and many of you in this room are sitting there, you think, oh, I know, David, we all sinned. I get it. We have. We've all sinned. We're dead in our sins, it tells us in Scripture. Dead. Not kind of alive. We are dead. So far apart from him that we cannot do anything on our own. And since then, that we are dead in these sins and trespasses, we're owed a punishment for those sins. It's death, eternal death, separated from him for all of eternity. Like, there's no rest in that. So you just go from this dead, miserable life to a worse type of death, eternal death. You can't work your way out of it. I don't care how moral you are. You will not pay off that debt. But God knew that. He knew that. He loved you while you were there. In that sin, and trust me, we all were. I don't care whose house you were born into, how great your your pastor grandpa was. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it does not matter. You were born dead in your sins. And God looked down on you in that sin, and he said, man, I I love him. I know they're not going to love me back. I know they won't until I love them first. And so I'm going to send my son, and Jesus willingly went. He was born, flesh, baby, to a manger, Went, lived a perfect life that we could not live, fulfilled all the laws, all the prophecies, and then what did he do? He died in our place. We've talked about this, about how he's the high priest and how he was the, the Lamb of God. Like, we've been going through this with Hebrews. Like, hear me. Like, it matters. Like, it does. It's all pointing to him. Everything that happened is pointing to him doing this for us. But he did not stay dead. That's what we celebrated last week. It's what we celebrate every week, that he rose so that you could experience rest in him. And so do you believe that today? Do you believe it? And you say, yes, I believe it. Great. If you believe it, I hope that you really do, but not just as a historical fact, that you believe it, that he died for you. Not just he died for us, he died for the world, he died for you. 
That he died for those sins that you, like I said on Good Friday, you swept under the rug that no one knows about, that you'd be so ashamed if anyone saw. He sees them. Verse 13, he saw. He saw them when they happened. He, he knows that they're there. And, but when you put your trust and rest in him, guess what he does? They're as far as the east is from the west. They're gone. They're gone. And yet we just cling to it like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do this. Trust me, he died for you. You can't out his grace. So today, if you're here and you're not a believer, I am begging you to give your life to Christ. Find the rest that only he offers. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. We're gonna do something completely different today as we, as we wrap up. We're gonna pray together. Then we're gonna take communion. So we're gonna have on the screen Psalm 23, one through three. And we're going to, I'm gonna read this and I'm gonna just walk you through just some corporate prayer. You're going to be able to pray silently with yourself, quietly. You can pray out loud where everyone hears you if you want to. I'm great with that. That'd be fine. But this is what it says in Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we're just going to give reverence to God. Here's what we can see in just those three verses. That Jesus, you are the good shepherd. Jesus, you provide. Jesus, you lead us. Jesus, you give us peace. You restore us. Jesus, you do things for your glory. That's who he is. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to, we're going to have a couple prayer prompts on the screen. First is this. Is Jesus, thank you for caring for me when? You just fill in the blank. There's got to be a time in your life that you know that he cared for you, he met a need for you that no one else in this world could meet. Or you can say, Jesus, thank you for providing. He provides so much for you. You could just be, God, thank you for providing breakfast for me. So let us pray. Let's just bow our heads. You pray silently, you pray out loud, whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do.